The cross is something that's been always dear to me to preach on. Um, it's because that's what the pastor was preaching on well at age. And it was week after week, just hammering the cross. Why the cross? And I remember his drive with his messages was this. That the cross was there because God loved you. And as an isolated young man in church, it was new to me. And here we are, many of us, we've been for a long time. There's no new twist. There's nothing new that I want to teach you today. But as a reminder, the importance of the cross. And the cross is about love. Secondly, in our culture today, it's been born for a long time. But you'll see a lot of people, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's rock stars or whatever, they'll have these huge crosses that they wear as they perform. And it's sad that the cross has become more of an ornament, more of something to beautify them. And I'm not saying that, you know, maybe if you have a crest cross necklace or earring or something like that, that that's, that's simple. I mean, no way, don't misunderstand it. But these are people that we know are hardened against God. And yet, they'll wear this cross. As a matter of fact, all kinds of God are real big. And, you know, they're, they're all the boring. And, and the cross is just something that's beautiful. So, we're going to talk about cross and of a plane. Tozer, I want to give you this quote before we read the scripture. P.W. your said this way a long time ago. The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemns. The new cross amuses. The old cross destroys confidence in the flesh. The new cross encourages it. This was a long time ago. If there's anything that is contemporary about the cross, it's the closure had to say. We're going to Colossians in chapter 1. Just one verse today here. A couple other verses I want to share with you also. The Colossians in chapter number 1. And once you have found that, we're going to read verse 20. Colossians 1 20. Which stand, by the way, out of respect of God's word. If you're not able to because of physical problems, don't feel bad. It's just respect of God's word is why we do that. Because having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Father, as we look at your word, I pray you'll bless the reading of your word and help me, Lord, to be able to bear the burden of the cross. That this cross was that which reconciled man, this cross of pain and then the cross of love. It shows violence and yet it gives peace. It seems that the cross will be not the way to save, and yet, God, this is the way you chose. So I pray, Lord, as I share the word and I preach again the cross, that many will understand it better. 
those of us who know it well, that we'll fall in love with you all the more because of the cross. And as we mentioned, Lord, earlier today to you that we know that what you have designed is, is powerful and Satan will always want to hinder the message of the cross. So I pray, Lord, that, that right now as we take these couple of minutes, that it will help us as Christians and reach the lost at the same time. In Jesus, we will pray. Amen. You may be seated. This verse is really really very powerful in that this cross that is mentioned here is that which reconciles people back together. Second Corinthians five, eighteen and nineteen also uses this phrase or word about reconciliation. And I'm reading Second Corinthians five, eighteen and nineteen. That all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, this was written after the fact of the death and resurrection of Christ. So, as God is looking back at the cross, helping us to see it, God is seeing this as the work is already done. He has already reconciled the world. It's a done deal. This is how God views it. And therefore, it's given you and I, he says, the ministry of reconciliation to wit or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not impeding their trespass unto them. And then again, He's committed unto us the word, speaking the word of reconciliation. So, no longer is sin or trespasses put onto our account. It's free. You're free from it. And as you saw in Colossians 1, because of the blood of the cross, you and I have peace. Peace and reconciliation are words that blend. It creates an understanding of what is reconciliation really all about. Well, the fact is that you and I needed to be reconciled. We couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't build the relationship back with God. The relationship was broken because of sin, and so therefore God sent His Son to ultimately die on the cross to reconcile us back to Himself. Um, when we think of the word of reconciliation, you can almost imagine two that were friends that got along really, really well, but something happened between the two. They weren't talking anymore. As a matter of fact, they became enemies. There was no relationship at all. But somebody comes in and begins to talk, begins to be a bridge between these two people. And after a while, because of their understanding, because of their communication, they will be reconciled, meaning they are no longer enemies, but now they're at peace with each other. Well, that's what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ through the cross. You and I, on this earth, as much as we would like to think that the whole world is friends with God, we're not. Sin has separated us from God. By the way, this wasn't God's fault. This was man's fault. And yet God was willing to love you and I, the whole world, every age, every time, 
What is this? Chapter 3, verse 13. Don't we hear that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law? Now, stop and think about that right there. God is saying, not saying that the, the law is a blessing and a happiness to us. It literally is a curse. It literally condemns us. So, he tells us, Christ has redeemed or paid in full the price you are from the curse that the law was given to us. How? Being made a curse for us. Jesus Christ is holy. He is God come in the flesh. There was nothing in his mouth that he ever did wrong. There was no action, no thought, nothing that Jesus Christ ever had that was sinful. The only one that can say that. There's no other man, woman, child that can ever say they were perfect here on this earth except for Jesus Christ. And what God can hear when Jesus died on the cross, he literally became a curse. So, the curse was laid upon Jesus Christ. What was that curse? That curse that the law was given to you and I. God said, undertake that curse that was made, and I'm going to literally lay it onto Jesus Christ, right at that cross. That's why I demonstrated to the beginning that the cross is not beautiful, folks. And here's why. The last phrase. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. This is a cross of shame. There was nothing beautiful about it. There's nothing that you would sit there and say, I could look at this all day long. Guys, Isaiah talks about we did as it were our faces. There's nothing beautiful. There's nothing uh, attractive about Jesus Christ dying on the cross. It is that which man seen and created at that time for a person who was an incredible, horrible Christian, or excuse me, villain, he was a robber, he was a murderer, whatever they did in the crime, they were a criminal, and they with pleasure would nail them as though they are cursed people, and they're going to die and they're going to perish. Jesus took that chain. The law, as we're seeing and understanding, the law brought guilt. The law brought shame. And that's why Jesus Christ took the sin of the world upon himself on the cross. He took the world's guilt. He took the world's shame. And yet the cross brought something for you and I. The cross brought innocence to us. The cross brought honor to you and I. The opposite of guilt and shame. Innocence and honor. For by grace are we saved through faith. We understand grace. God giving us something that we do not deserve. And this incredible act of God, this work of God, 
has you and I in mind, and He wanted them to declare you and I innocent from the law, innocent from sin, innocent from anything that will be against us, declaring you and I righteous. But then on top of that, and this is what overwhelms me, is not only saying, okay, you're not guilty anymore, but then He bestows honor upon you and I because of the cross. I love this verse, Hebrews 2.11. For both he that sanctifies, that God who sanctifies us, and they who are sanctified are one. For this, for this reason, he, Jesus Christ, is not ashamed to call your and I his brethren. Well, of course we're called Jesus, Jesus' brother. Of course we're, we're part of the family. We're the sons of God. These are honorable signals. Our relationship that God has given to you and I is not because we're beautiful. It is not because we're good. It's because of the cross. We're then lifted up to a place of honor. The cross is also a cross of love. John, 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, And this is manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. How can we love God, but that He loved us? And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Other places that this word propitiation is used, uh, Romans and also another time in First John chapter two, where it says that he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So the thought of propitiation, one man defined it this way: the word propitiation carries the basic idea of appeasement or satisfaction, especially toward God. Propitiation is a two-part act that involves the appeasing the wrath of an offended person and being reconciled to them. In fact, many have associated propitiation with the mercy seat. The mercy seat is where the blood was applied by the high priest in order for the day of atonement to take place. So the day of atonement meant that God and man would be one at one. Atonement meant so we become one because of the blood. And of course, we see it as God is pleased for and satisfied with the forgiveness of our sin through Jesus Christ's blood. He is our mercy, folks. The act of propitiation always refers to the work of God and not the sacrifices or gifts offered to man. So again, it is from God to man. Religion is man to God. I'm going to get God to be pleased with me by what I do. By the way, Christians, can I help you with a little bit of pastoring here? This is what we're always trying to do. We're trying to please God. You'll answer my prayers if you're just happy with me, God. 
The only thing that God says is pleasing to Him is faith. And without it, it is impossible to please Him. All the God is looking at is your heart. We're worried about this and this and all these things that we are. Oh, God's under love. He doesn't care about me. Look how rotten I am. Just confess it. And then accept that forgiveness. And then you come to God by faith. And you begin to take that mustard seed, that whisper of faith. And you say, God, I will believe you. And you ask me, that's a great word. Going to mission field, it's very simple. When you go to ministry, you've got to get ready to really go into churches, mission field, to believe God. And God does that. He works through you. Just keep believing and serving and watch God work. The wonderful truth of the gospel is that Christians are saved by God from, excuse me, God's wrath. And are now reconciled, made one, peace with God. It's not because we love God, but it's because He loved us. And so the Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The wrath of God is satisfied by the cross. Peace with God instead of the enemies. All that happened to Jesus Christ on His cross is what God rightfully should have done to us. He was rejected. We should have been rejected by God. He was cursed. We should have been the one cursed. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That should have been us. He was mocked. God could have laughed at our sin and said, This is what you deserve. Jesus was tortured on that cross, and we could be the one tortured in hell. He received that crown of thorns, reflecting the curse given to man when he originally sinned. It should have been our crown of thorns. We're the ones that sinned. He died on that cruel cross. We should have been the one God. And if he cried out, and the psalmist also declares the same thing, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he was separated from his heavenly Father because the curse of the world was being placed on him. The sin of the world was being placed on him. It should have been us separated from God, not Jesus. And yet he went through this for us. I close with a poem. Came across this one and I thought, wow, interesting. I don't need a poem, but who wrote it? John Newton. Writer of Amazing Grace. I didn't know how many poems that I wrote until I got alone. In evil, long, I took the right. Unawed by shame or fear, till a new object struck my sight and stopped my wild career. I saw one hanging on a tree in agonies and blood, who fixed his 
languid eyes on me as near his cross they stood. Lord, never to my latest breath can I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death. But not a word was spoken. My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins. His blood was filled and helped to nail him there. Alas, I knew not what I did. But now my tears are vain. For how my trembling soul is hid. For I, the Lord, have seen the second book he gave, which said, I freely all forget. The blood is for thy ransom pain. I die that thou may live. Thus, while his death my sin displays, in all its blackest view, such is the mystery of grace. It seals my pardon too. With pleasing grief and mournful joy, my spirit now is filled that I should such a life destroy. Yet live by him, I should. I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live, but not I. But Christ lives in me. What if I now live? I live by faith in some of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My Father, we ask you to bless this time in Jesus for your glory. Draw us to yourself. And I do not know the parts of each one that you do. And we pray, Father, that there are some here right now that they are understanding now. Maybe for the first time, the cross, the cross of love, that they were again believed in Jesus Christ. For those by my closed, if you right now by faith will believe in Jesus Christ, that he indeed died on the cross for your sins so that you could be a truthful God. Your sin will be forgiven. You will have a relationship with God. You will be reconciled to Him because He took your sin. He took the curse of the law. He took it all. Why? Because He loves you. It was the cross of love. If you will believe in Him right now by faith, He will save you. He said, You don't have to be somewhere special. I don't want to force you. I'm not saved. God's not worried about location. He's looking at your heart right now. By faith, if you by faith, like in calling him, do something like this to me. Dear God, I mean, you know that I'm a sinner in your sins. And I know that I cannot forgive my own sin. I can't work it off. So I now, by faith, am believing in your son, Jesus Christ, that he came and he died for me. I now believe in Jesus Christ that he died. And that he rose again for me. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for saving me right now. Help me, Lord, to live for you all the days of my life.
If you prayed that prayer, we'd say it's over for you. Please let us know when the service is over so that we can rejoice with you. May we reflect this year on our Savior. And not only did He die on the cross, next week we're going to remember what our great truth to rose again three days later. Close to us.